Who you got tonight? Lake Show, baby. Lake Show. Um, Lake Show. <clears throat> Game three. Is, is, the- is Dragic back? Nah, I think he's still feeling pretty bad. I just saw earlier. I'm I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's. I would I be shocked playing. if he plays any more games. You I mean tearing your like fascia? Like it was his plantar fascia, right? I don't. I don't know. I know his foot. I don't even know what. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I'm not sure. But Whatever. Like if if it is his foot, I don't see him playing. Who? Yeah. I mean. I, yeah. Probably not. Who? Who do you have? I actually think it'll be a close one tonight. Yeah. I don't know who's going to win, though. I mean, like, obviously, if I was just going off statistics and who's the better team, I would think yeah. the Lakers are going to win. But – Is Bam playing? I don't know. I, I'm not sure yet. I should look but – Honestly, it – I mean, let's, let's be real. Obviously, they're a better team with Bam on the court. Yeah. But Kelly Olenek provided something that Bam can't do, and that's shoot the ball from three yeah but if you need kelly olenek to come out here and just start draining threes to beat the lakers i mean i'm taking sure, but like production but you over. have to no i i understand what you're saying but you have to understand that dwight howard not being able to protect the rim like dwight howard does yeah. i mean that that's the only re- i mean not the only reason but that's a huge reason why jimmy butler got to do what he got to do yeah. like he got yeah. to play his two-point game and yeah. as we learned jimmy butler's Pretty dang good from the two-point range. Yeah, he is. He is. He didn't need to take any threes. Mm-hmm. Scored 40. <laughs> oh, man. Can he keep it up, though? No. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. <laughs> but all right, Asa. Welcome to the Mind of a Coach podcast. This is your host, Coach Nathan Moran and Coach Asa Duval. Asa, you having a good week? Yeah, man, I'm doing good. Uh, doing good. Um, can't complain whatsoever. I'm here. I'm alive and kicking. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm straight so far. How about you? Um, you know, it hasn't. I'll just be honest. I, I, I like to keep it authentic. So it, it hadn't been the best week for me, Ace. Um, yeah. My, my two oldest brothers uh, lost their mom um, this past week, and yeah. um, it's just it's been really hard because I mean they're I mean although they're my half brothers by technical terms they're my full brothers all the way i would never consider them anything differently so like my heart is very heavy for them right now and uh just want to be with them and li- uplift them and pray for them in every way possible so yeah, man. not 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 good. been an easy week especially with sam and uh shannon so i'm sure that i'm sure that's not easy on them no no we're but, sorry uh, about that man prayers up to y'all yeah absolutely <laughs> love you guys but um asa you're in charge of our historical fact of the day slash week. What do you have for us today? I am excited. Um, all right, historical fact. I might be a little lazy, but, uh, it, you know, it's been going around. But Jimmy Butler was the first player to outscore, out-rebound, and out-assist LeBron in a finals game, I believe was the stat. So that's uh, it's a crazy stat both ways. But Jimmy Butler deserves all the credit, all the credit, all the praise, excuse me. Um, he had a phenomenal game. So I just thought that was a really interesting stat to share out there for those who don't already know. I also need to share something when I said that he was a very good role player last (laughs) week. I stepped on my own toes. Yeah. I understand this. That being said, he is a super, like, I don't, I don't, I don't consider him to be a superstar 
No, he's not like don't. in that. Yeah, he's not like in that top tier of super. But he can. He's like a utility player. Like he can fit in anywhere. He is he, a like he is the best. He is the elite role player that any team could have. Yeah, I know that I mean, sounds he, crazy, but that, and he can just, go toe to toe. He can go toe to toe with those top tier superstars. Yes, because he can. He can do it all. Like I say, he's utility. He can defend. He can rebound. He can pass. Like I mean, his passing ability is very underrated. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then obviously, as he showed last or the other night, he can score the ball too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out Jimmy Buckets. Mm-hmm. What about you? You uh, oh, you got anything? No, 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 no. What what's uh, what's your weekly positivity for this week? You got anything um, positive going on? Okay, so let me just before I give, I'll be honest. I'll be honest too. Um, so you didn't think anything was weird when you called me earlier today, and I was at home at a, at two thirty. I was I was wondering what was going on. Um, so, uh, I, I, I tested positive for this virus. Um, so I, uh, you know, can't go into work, got to isolate myself for, for a little bit. But, uh, so Sunday morning I got my results, I tested Saturday morning and, uh, and Sunday morning got my results fast back and I, uh, and I tested positive. So can't go into work. So that's why I was at home when you called me at two 30. Uh, so that's your weekly positivity. That wasn't my weekly positivity, but I wanted to go ahead and get, get that out there because this is my, no, jo- it, this is it my is your weekly positive. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's my literal positive. Yeah. Not a good joke for right now. What? This is my Jordan flu game right right now. I guess so. This is your Jordan flu game, man. This is my Jordan flu game. I'm pushing through it. I'm, I'm fighting, I'm fighting through this coronavirus doing this podcast. So, well, I'm glad you were able to get on. How are you feeling? You feeling all right? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling fine. My temperature has been normal. I've been 97.7, 97.8, you know, the whole time I, my mm-hmm. nose was a, a little stopped up and I probably still sound stopped up, but now I ain't gonna lie. I can't taste or smell anything. Yeah, <laughs> I can, you need I to stay inside for 14 days, but I feel, I feel totally fine and normal. So, um, good, good, man. Um, I would say my weekly positivity and like I said, I've had not a great week, but the fact that I still get to go to work, I mean, yeah. if I'm going to find anything positive, it's that I get to go to work with a group of guys that are amazing yeah. and uplifting and understand my situation and are just there for me. So, mm-hmm. and then that I get to dive into everybody. We got to mulch today. Uh-huh. And Working although people can, yeah, although people can look at that as like, oh, we have to mulch. I was, yeah. I was excited, you know, yeah. change your attitude, change your life. So I was, yeah. we get to mulch today and I was just trying to bring the juice, trying to bring the energy and it was a good time. It's always, it's always enjoyable if you look at it in the aspect of you're helping people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, just kind of the attitude I try to take. So it ended there, up going. There is something to be said about, you know, cleaning your own gym, taking care of your own campus, your own locker room, like actually being active and trying in the upkeep of it. I know we did that a couple of times at Lipscomb. Casey had us clean up the gym. And I do think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, 100 percent. All right. I, I kind of took a break right there just because I need to let my dog out. Freaking okay. All right. And Nathan is taking a break. For some actual positivity out there, the weather outside is beautiful. I don't know if you've had a chance to, uh, you said you had to mulch, but for anybody else, the weather has been phenomenal outside. So that's a positive. Could not have been a better day to mulch. Oh, I mean, yeah. even in Chattanooga, as beautiful as it was probably in Nashville, I mean, in yeah. Chattanooga, Cleveland, Tennessee, it was, ooh, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, hey, Asa. <laughs> Favorite segment of the week. We got Asa's got to get this off his chest. Asa, what do you got for us this week? 
the NFL, Nate, does not want the Titans to be great. Ironically, I just said I tested positive. The Titans are 3-0, and and now they got 20 people in the, organization, in the organization positive? Come on, NFL. This is a conspiracy. I need a right Goodell. I need him on the phone. I need an explanation because the Vikings had no positive tests. Please, somebody, make it make sense. The, apparently now, now everybody in Nashville has got it. They don't want the Titans to be great. They don't want to see him on the field. It's just – it's a shame. It, it's really a shame we got this start, and then the NFL has got to go and do this to us. So. Well, I mean, I mean, if they – I mean, I feel like the NFL has a lot – I'm, I'm going to have to interject here, Asa. I, I got to take the other side real fast. All right. The NFL does have a lot of resources to hopefully find out if they truly do have positive tests because obviously there's – you can get a positive test and not be positive. You can get a negative test and be positive. I mean, it's, it's been all over the place. But doesn't it kind of make you think that maybe it's not as contagious if you're playing football, though? Doesn't that give you some, like, hope for football, maybe? If, I mean, if it didn't get any of the Vikings players sick, but it yeah. just happened in the Titans locker room, that almost is like just because the Titans are in close confines. Yeah. Like, maybe just playing games against each other isn't as – like, I don't know. As as bad. I don't know. We can get. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you, man. It's conspiracy. They just they don't want the Titans to be great. They really don't. They had to go and give them all the coronavirus. It's a shame. <laughs> I I don't. I hope the NFL didn't give it to them. That'd be something ridiculous. <laughs> but on the other news, Houston is 0 4 now. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Good riddance, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, tough news for him. But all right. Yeah. Hey, not. Uh, a different take, but hey, this is your segment, so I respect it. I respect it. Thank you. All right, brother. Hey, we're gonna get into Nate's keys for the day, and uh -huh. we typically stand at three keys. I'm gonna push it. I'm gonna go four, mm -hmm. just uh -huh. because this week we are talking about a coach's perspective. Now, all right, give us it's the keys. Been drum roll. We've been going to the coaches. We've hit the players. We had the parents last week, and now we got the coaches. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to dive right in. All right. The number one key I have for coaches when they're dealing with playing time, because this is the series we're talking about is before everything communicate expectations mm -hmm. that you have for the team, for the individuals to your staff and to the rest of your players. So like, for example, for a team, we do not tolerate walking from drill to drill. We always help someone when they fall. We're running over there. We're helping them up. Mm -hmm. For the individual, we do not whine, or you do not whine. You do not complain. You do not make excuses. You do everything the right way. You do what I tell you to do, and you do it when I tell you to do it. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So that leads me into my second one as a coach when dealing with playing time whether you're playing or not, or having players that play or do not, you're going to have to assess. You're going to have to assess your players. You're going to have to assess, reassess, assess, reassess, assess, reassess. And that's, that's the constant limbo you're going to be in because one person might not be playing well at the beginning of the season, and all of a sudden they can start playing well and really start finding value and helping your team during mm -hmm. the middle of the season, and it could go away at the end. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So I think not only am I talking to coaches on this one, but to players as well, because players, you have to understand that every single day matters. Absolutely. Every single one, Absolutely. every single one, you show up to practice one day and have a bad practice because you're like, Oh, I'm not going to play whatever. I'm not helping the team. 
Well, you're probably right in your own grave right there. You're right in your own tombstone because yeah. you say you say that and you're not gonna you're probably going to not play. Yeah. So yeah. your your attitude is already telling you your outcome. Yeah. Say that again. Say that again. Your attitude is already determining your outcome. Say it one more time. <laughs> your attitude is predetermining your outcome. I just said it three different ways, but <laughs> it yeah. was and but it was all the same. And mm-hmm. I think players and coaches really need that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we can tell players and then it, it like players look at us as well as coaches. And yeah. if our attitude is the right way every single day and we're bringing it, we're bringing it, bringing it, and we're mm-hmm. consistent, then they can't just be like, oh, well, he's not doing it. They're like, oh, okay, this is the expectations. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. So players and what they will need to be able to do within the confines of the team, like you have to assess that. You yeah. have to assess what this player is able to do in the confines of the team. Not just like their individual skill level. How can you help this player? Because obviously we're always trying to help the player. But as a coach, we are in charge of a team Mm -hmm. or we're a part of the team just as much as a player is. So like we have to assess these players in order to help the teams. At the beginning of the year is like when I think it will be like the most you need to like have this assessment. Mm -hmm. But that's usually from players in the past, like players that are coming back, coming back, coming back. You're like already have an assessment of them. Yeah. But to be honest, you're going to be reassessing them all throughout the season. Absolutely. You're going to be assessing them and you're like through preseason, beginning of practice. I mean, assessment will never stop. Mm -hmm. So I think assessment is very key when talking about playing time. And when you're assessing the biggest question, this is like two a, the biggest question you're going to have to, you're going to have to answer is who can we trust? Four words, who can we trust? And players, you could be less skilled, but more trusted by your coach. And there's a very high potential of you getting the nod from the coach. Absolutely. I experienced yeah. that. Absolutely, absolutely. That, trust, that coach has to be able to trust you if you want to be on that floor, really, no matter how talented you are. And sometimes you're right. It may go to the person who's a little less talented, but very trust, trustworthy and has been doing exactly what the coach says day in and day out. Yeah, and... I'm, I'm going to try to humble brag myself real quick. So maybe yeah. it's just a brag. Maybe it's not so humble, but <laughs> I was not the best player. I've, I've said it once in this podcast, twice, three times. I'll say it a million times. I was not the best player. I was not the most skilled, but my coach trusted me because I tried to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I tried to work hard. I tried to do what he said every single time he said it. Yeah, you he said something. Yeah. And so I think that's exactly what you just said. Listening. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of trusting. You have to be able to listen and then you have to be able to do. Certainly. So coaches, like if you can find a way and honestly not even find a way, you just need to let your players know, like li- listening is a huge part of our program. Right. If right. you listen, you're going to have a and listen and then transfer that and allow it to incorporate into your game. Yeah. You're going to have a great opportunity to play during this program. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it also works vice versa. You could be the most skilled but a coach might not be able to trust you and it, they might not play you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, you're going to be sitting there. Yeah. And you're going to be sitting there like I'm the best player on this team. Like, I don't understand. Well, well, here's the deal. Have you bought in? Have you bought in? If I, if I'm playing a game, Asa, and I have a less talented person on the team, but I need to execute this play with three seconds left yep. in order to win the game. Yep. I, I, I can't play you if you can't run the play correctly. If you mm. can't understand the play and you can't run the play correctly. I, it, not in, even in a three-second scenario, 
are you going to take bad shots? Are you not going to take high quality shots? Because it's, this is a team sport. I don't care if you can go out and get 40. I need the team to score more points than the other team. Yeah. So like, I need you to take high quality shots because we have great players all around you. Yeah. We got, we got to get the best shot for the team. Exactly. Can you make an extra pass for a better shooter? Like, are you unselfish enough to make a better pass for, or a pass for a better shooter? Yeah. And do, do you fall asleep on defense? Like, yeah. I mean, these are just examples. Like, can the coach trust you? And mm -hmm. I think it's very important for coaches to lay that out to players. Like, listen, I think you're very talented. I think you are very skilled, but I need to trust you. Mm -hmm. And this is for every player. This could be for the least skilled player and the highest skilled player. Like you're going to have a better opportunity. If a coach, like I'm talking to coaches right now, you're going to have a, you, if you can tell your players, if I can trust you, mm -hmm. you have a better opportunity to play in our system. That's not just going to help these players. And it's not just going to help me as a coach. It's going to help our team be successful. Not yeah. just on the court, it's going to help everything else. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of. Well, back to what I was saying last week. Um, you know, giving your coach every reason to 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 trust you and play you and have you out on the floor, and ninety percent of that is listening, right? I mean, ninety percent of getting your coach to trust you is listening and doing what he tells you to do. Whether or not you always agree with it, you know, that doesn't really matter. If you want to be on the floor, your your coach has to trust you. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and so trusting. That I'm going to lead that into the third key, which is role clarity. Coaches, we have to be able to define roles for players after we've assessed and reassessed and assessed wherever we're at when the season starts coming along we, or even a month before the season or from players in the coming in, the three-year players that you yeah. have in your senior year, two-year, one-year, whatever coming in, mm -hmm. you need to define their roles. I think the Lipscomb staff did a great job at defining my role. Yeah. I, I, I truly believe that. And yeah. um, once you have assessed your players and know that they, what they can or can't do, like I just said, yeah. communicate with them, mm -hmm. communicate with your players. Mm -hmm. It's it's, and I know how hard it is as a coach because you were in charge of so many different responsibilities. It's mm -hmm. easy to get lost without communicating. Yeah. And I could have just titled these keys, communicate, communicate, communicate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, as a, as a, as a player, coach, parent, we need communication. Communication is communication. at the root of communication is at the root of everything. It's at, it's at the, it's the very foundation of, of all that, of trust, of a good team, uh, mm -hmm. you know, all that. Yeah. And part of communicating and part of role clarity is we talked about it with players, talked about it with parents. We are going to have to have as coach tough conversations. Mm -hmm. It never gets easier the older you get. Yeah. or the wiser you become, you're going to have to have tough conversations mm -hmm. in order for everyone to be on the same page. Yeah. You just, you're, you're going to have to. So like, that's, that's a flash. Like that's, that's one of the biggest parts of this whole keys, tough conversation from players to parents, to coaches, you're going to have to leave your ego behind. And I don't want to hurt this person. You're going to have to be honest with them because honesty will stand higher than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. <clears throat> So um, I also think when, so when you have this tough conversations, it's okay to let these players that aren't playing as much know that, okay, listen, you're not playing as much right now, yeah. but we're on role clarity. You have to be able to do this. I need you to do this in order, if you want to be on the court in order for our team to be the most successful. Yeah, you still have a role. Notice you, you're, there's still a role. It might not be the one that you completely desire, but there is still a role that has to get done. 120%. Has to be a role that has to be filled. 
Yes. Yes. And I think too often, and I'm going to talk to player for a brief second, although we're talking to coaches is as players, you can get into the mindset of, Oh, my role is not as big as I want, or, Oh, it's not as meaningful. Every single role on a basketball team is meaningful. Mm -hmm. You don't just win with five guys. You win with a team. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't go to the NCAA tournament just because we had five guys, one guy, two guys, three guys. Mm-hmm. We, we won because of every single person on the coaching staff. Yep. Every single person on the end of the bench will yep. like a trainer, athletic trainer, everything else, Huddy. Like we didn't, we didn't go there because of just five people, every yeah. person in the organization coach. I mean, uh, Philip Hutchison, our yep. AD, everyone made that happen. Absolutely. So I think you have to just be able to buy in and accept your role and fulfill it uh-huh. and live in it and enjoy it. Enjoy mm-hmm. that role. Make the so, most of it. Yes. And so I think this, and this might be the most important for coaches and I'm, I might be stepping on toes. I don't know, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to try to put, put this out there is number four, the fourth key, the, whoa, the war, the fourth, the fourth key, create a purpose for guys not playing as much as you are creating a purpose for the guys that are playing. That's yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's, that's a tough one. And that could look a lot of different ways. Yeah. But part of it's having tough conversations, but telling them how important they are, although they are not playing because yeah. it's the truth. It's not mm-hmm. a lie. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. And, so that, as, and that's the extra step you mm-hmm. got to go to keep everybody on board as a, as a coach because mm-hmm. those are the ones that you're going to need down the road as we've alluded to before. But I mean, you got to keep everybody, no matter how, how high, how, no matter how high up or how low on the totem pole they are, you got to keep everybody on board. I agree. So like, I mean, as naturally as you would as a coach, mm-hmm. like I, we think when we're coming to like the point where we have an established team and et cetera, we're, we spend more times just naturally, we spend more times on the guys that are playing the most. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's like wrong because like, at the end of the day, a coach loses his job if those guys are not performing. Yep. yep. So, so like a hundred percent, I, I'm so in on that. I, yeah. I, I understand. I understand. I understand. However, not saying it's wrong. I just personally think it can be improved. Uh huh. Yeah. I think it can be improved, and I think you're yep. going to see that in the culture you build. It's kind of so, something that you have to work on too. That coaches need to work on. It's not just going to happen. You have mm-hmm. to make a. You have to make an effort to to do that and, and yeah. work on it. it's not something that just it's definitely not going to come second nature to most people so you have to mm-hmm. practice it and work on it like you would anything else yeah and once again we're going off three and having tough conversations with the role clarity mm-hmm. once you have that role clarity once you have that tough conversation in that tough conversation what if a coach put this to you Asa, when you were not playing as much i need you to be the o-line for our basketball team the o-line the offensive line the mean and gritty mm-hmm. the dirty and gritty you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. i need you to be the best player on scout team yep I need you to be the most positive person in our locker room, the loudest and most vocal leader. Mm-hmm. I need you, and this is, a, this is just an off-the-wall one, but it's just as important as anything else. I might need you to spend some extra time with our best player on his homework because if he doesn't play, then we don't win. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. when I say <laughs> – I mean, seriously. If uh-huh. we, when I'm talking about the O-line, you do not win games without the O-line. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking about Tennessee football right now. They got a mean O-line up there. I mean, they're pushing people around right now. Y'all do have a good O-line up there. And doesn't that make everybody look better? Yeah, yeah. And Everything I mean, matters. Every, every, everything matters. And, like, when you're talking about Alabama or great football teams, they have a great O-line that protects their quarterback, running back, and allows wide receivers to get in the end zone and dance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. 
you need those players that are not playing as much to be your O-line. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, yeah, that's great. I, I so, totally agree with that. Like, and then being able to phrase it as like, we need you to do this. We need you to be the O-line. We do not win a championship without you. Uh-huh. How does your, when you tell uh, 18, 19, 16, 15, I don't even care how old a kid, when you tell them that, they might shrug their shoulders a little bit like, oh, yeah. okay, you guys need me still. Yeah. You guys might need me. And I'm not saying it's the perfect formula, but it's worth yeah. a try. Uh-huh, certainly, certainly. But anyway, those are my uh, four keys for today. We're going to uh, – three keys, but I, I added one for That's today. all right. They're your keys, man. They're your keys. You, you got the car. They're your, they're your keys. <laughs> it's a push to start. So, <laughs> you know how it is. Uh-huh. But, um, Asa, do you have an example of a coach that you either read about, saw on TV, heard about, um, were a part of, et cetera, that – you felt did not communicate or heard today they did not communicate with the player and it ended up hurting the team in return. Um, I'll say this. I know like a lot of time. Okay. Back to your expectations mm-hmm. point. So yeah. making those clear in the first place. Um, I had a conversation with, he, he wasn't part of the basketball team in high school, but he was, he was connected to the basketball team. And I was in this, I really didn't know what a good shot was. Um, wasn't sure what I could and couldn't do. And he looked at me and he was like, well, you know, the only, the only way to really find out what a good shot is, is to take it in practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think at that point, you know, there hadn't been expectations completely laid out, at least in a way that was clear to me. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's tough. It's, and then, you know, you get into these, these situations where a coach has taken you out for something that you thought you were supposed to do. Um, and so I know that happened to me a couple of times. I would get confused. You know, every time somebody goes to the, goes to the bench, you kind of looking over your shoulder, like, well, what did I do? And I think that just goes to show you how important it is to lay out the expectations, um, early on. So you don't get in these ruts or in these situations where there's a disconnect between both sides. Um, so no, not a specific story, but it is important for coaches, like you said, to lay out the expectations, um, beforehand. So there's no confusion going forward. I 100% agree with you. I mean, I'll put the 20 on the end. I 120% agree with you. I mean, I guess that's my percentage layout. But, man, I, I, I don't either. I don't have a personal story, but I have heard of some times where and – it, and it all goes back to communication. Mm-hmm. Where these players – like, for instance, I heard, heard this one friend tell me, yeah, I believe that I'm, I'm like, I'm starting. Like, that's just like how practice has been going. Like I'm the best yeah. player, like I'm scoring, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they're coming off the bench and all of a sudden it's turned into where they're talking negatively about their yeah. coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And although that is not right by the player, I think we yeah. can agree with that. Like you should be able to accept it with humility but these are still young age adults, teenagers that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Teenager for this instance. And their coach should have just had that conversation, that tough conversation about, listen, I think you're a very good player, but I need you to come off the bench. Mm-hmm. You're not, I, I think you can provide more of a scoring spark off the bench than you would if you were in the starting lineup. Yeah. And if you're like a really good scorer, you might think, and, and no one's told you, you might think, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm a top two scorer on the team. Like I'm going to come in and I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. He was a shooter yeah. and I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. Well, the coach is thinking, 
I can get that spark off the bench. Yeah. The player is thinking I'm, I'm like the best scorer, blah, blah, blah. So like just having that talk with the player could have eased that conversation, eased that, that decision. I mean, it would have been, wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah. So that would be my uh, negative story. I know when I was younger, like I had, when I was much younger, I had a coach Mm -hmm. who would take who would literally, you know, he would tell me to do something and I would do it and I'd still get taken out from him. And so, and that happened probably a couple of times in my, in my basketball career. And when that happened, I was like done, like I was lost. I'm looking, you know, you're looking around, you don't know what, you don't know yeah. what's up or what's down. You don't know what to do. And so I think that kind of hurt, hurt the team more because then I wasn't able to be as good as I, as I possibly could for the team because my role was just unclear. Everything I did was wrong in my mind. Right. Yeah. So that, that, that hurts the team. That's just as detrimental to the team as anything else. Completely agree. Completely agree. Asa, do you have an example of a time you heard about, et cetera? Same question, but just in a positive light. Yeah. Um, when I was at Hargrave, um, Coach Hamilton is actually at Eastern Kentucky now. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, I, was, I started the season off, I was starting as the uh, shooting guard. And um, there was somebody that was hurt. And uh, he was a good player. And I knew he was going to come back, you know, five, six, seven games in the season. And so, and he, and he finally, he, he rehabbed his injury. He got back on the court. And uh, before his first game back, Coach Hamilton pulled me over and he was like, hey, you know, I'm not going to start you tonight. Um, I'm going to, I think you're great at coming off the bench. I, I think you bring some energy. Um, and you honestly, you, you're going to handle it. You're going to handle that coming off the bench better than most other people would. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you come off the bench. And I said, you know, cool, I, I'm fine with that. Thanks yeah. for letting me know. But he communicated that with me. Um, so it didn't, I, I wasn't blindsided by it. Now I would have handled it the same regardless, but um, at least he was willing to sit there and, and tell me what the situation was. And, and I took it. I, I, I took it well. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I completely, I mean, I'm going to have a, I have a very similar story. I'm going to give you two examples actually, yeah. if that's okay with you. Of course. I have a very similar story in my freshman year of college when I was starting um, Martin Smith had come back and he was not starting and coach Alexander first game of conference comes up to me and goes, Hey, we're going to go with Martin in our starting lineup. We think he gives us a better chance with um, the first five, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should. Yeah, yeah. Like Martin I, was our best I'm player, not honestly, because we've had that, we've had that conversation like three or four times. You probably came back to the room and said that. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, yeah, I can you start Martin I, over. I was like, you should start Martin over me. I was like, you absolutely should. And, but like just the fact that he would come up to me and just, and tell me, and he even tried to like phrase it in a nice way, which is not what people would normally think is a coach Alexander way. True. But but he did. And it was like, I'm just thankful that you had that conversation instead of finding out two minutes before the game started. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, and then there was another uh, example about coach Alexander. It wasn't so obvious to me at the time, Mm -hmm. but my sophomore year, I had been starting every game, and then um, Garrison came on the scene and started starting, which he should have, mm-hmm. 100%. I did not think anything wrong of it, and I was like, <laughs> good decision. Yeah. And But I got in the game, and I we were playing against Stetson. I hit three straight threes within, like, two minutes, and I had one turnover, and he yanked me immediately. Yeah. And I was like, like what do you want from me? What right. do you want from me? Right. And he goes, Nate, you just have to understand you cannot make that pass to somebody, to a big man that has run down the court that can't handle that pass. Right. And he right. said, now go back in. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, and it was so simple, but like, I was so, I was like, what did I do? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 But he was like, go back in. 
now you know, go back in. Yeah, and it's it, the coach isn't always like gonna berate you or you know get yeah. on to you, lash out at you. Like sometimes it's something like that, like which probably did wonders for you, right? Like ah, okay. Yeah, like, it, and it I'm not gonna it, act it like I fixed I'm, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not gonna act like I fixed it immediately. And it even gets better when he had the conversation with me in the summer of like, listen, the two. You remember I've, I've told this story, the two point shots. I've mm-hmm. told it a million times. Don't take as many twos, take care of the ball and shoot threes. Yep. And they just gave me that real clarity. And I was able to succeed in that role yeah. because he had that conversation. So like that's going, that was probably in his head at the time. Like, I wish you would just do this, mm-hmm. but like, we're at the very end of the season. I would need you to keep being who you are without trying to get in your head too much. And like, there's a lot of different things you have to balance as a coach. Yep. And I think the delivery and the timing of it was exactly what he could have done because who knows, like, I mean, he doesn't know me, like he's not inside my head. Yep. Like he doesn't know if I'm going to fall apart, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to start like being bad to the, towards the team, et cetera. I mean, obviously I'm not going to do that, but you just don't know these things. Mm -hmm. And so I think he handled that situation perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that needs to happen more. And I think it does. I think it does happen. I mean, I hear, I hear a lot of stories like that where a coach will pull you over to a side and say something that you really didn't expect them to say, cause you expected it to be more negative. Um, but, um, yeah, that stuff like that is, is, is key. And I, I'm sure, like I said, I, I'm sure that helped you out a ton and gave you some confidence going forward. Yeah. All right, Asa, I have to ask one more question yep, before we get into our last segment. And that is what is the best moment that you have ever had with a coach. And I know it's not necessarily about playing time. Mm-hmm. It can be. And if you want to go along that, that's awesome. But best moment that you've ever experienced with a coach. And it could be a dinner. It could be just like talking in his office. It could be something he said to you. What's the best moment you got? Oh, man. You are putting me on I, the I'm spot I'm putting you on here. the spot. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to decide if I want to go like literal on the basketball court or off of it or if just like some, some uh, you know, off-court story. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you had Casey who loved to scare people behind walls every single second, of, every single chance he got. <laughs> uh, so that was – The whole coaching staff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He were jumping out from walls. Oh, my uh-huh. God. Any, any chance he got to scare somebody, he was doing it. Um, golly, man. The first – like a, a, one of my favorite stories with a coach – um, Casey did come up to me. Casey came up to me after we made the uh, after we made the tournament at Florida Gulf Coast, and um, and obviously I wasn't playing. You know, I was on my crutches, and <clears throat> he came up to me and he like he he put it. He kind of came behind me and like put his arm around me, and like he just had this like look on his face. Obviously, he'd never made it as a head coach before. Yeah, but he had like the most excited like childlike look on his face when he came and like gave me a hug, and it was. And I mean, Casey had recruited me since I was in, I mean, like my, you know, junior year, um, yeah. early, early on. I, I've known yeah, Casey no. for a while. And it was like, it was almost like I could see all the, the years that I had known him, like come, like just come to fruition at that point, right? Like yeah. it was so much that went into that moment, that hug and that look that he gave me, even though I, I didn't play, you know, didn't contribute mm-hmm. a minute on the court to it um it was it was it was just cool man just that little hug and that embrace and that look that he had after we uh, after we made it to the NCAA tournament for the first time so I mean that was that's one that came off it just came to the head real quick but um it was 100 percent moment yeah that I, I I was thinking about the moment like just like seeing how excited Casey was he was so excited like so excited. had we ever seen like I mean I had seen it a couple times when we had like big wins yep like yep. when we beat Missouri like I, I remember him just like 
being ecstatic. Like this is the first time we've beaten SEC team. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like I saw it my fifth year after we had went to the NCAA tournament, like we beat yeah. TCU and we beat NC state. Like I, I remember all those. Yeah, like, yeah. That was the first like really big moment where like, he just like was celebrating with all of us. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool, man. It was cool. One time in, uh, one time in high school after we played, uh, Alex Poitras when he was at, mm -hmm. um, Clarksville Northeast or whatever they were undefeated and he was averaging like 30 and we uh Jack Montague had a good game we, we ended up winning the game uh Alex Porthos only had like nine points and uh we get back in the locker room and coach King he looks at Jack and Alex Porthos had committed to Kentucky by this point and so coach King said man if he's going to Kentucky and he looks at Jack points at Jack he said man you need to go to the Lakers man and it was like <laughs> It was like the most uncharacteristic like praise that Coach King would would give somebody because he never did anything like that. But he did it. Yeah. It was just like, damn, that was kind of cool. Like yeah. it was, it was super cool. That's awesome. And my my true my my probably my biggest moment that I've ever experienced. And it's funny how these little things last with you forever. Is uh -huh. after high school basketball games, like I would either um, go eat with my team. We'd go to Waffle House. Yeah. Or Coach McNatt and sam and i would go to wendy's yeah and wendy's was our place and we just yeah. go eat and talk about the game and yeah. i'll just never forget like how much that meant to me just like having conversations with him and him willing him even being willing to do that yeah like just go yeah. eat and talk with us and it yeah. didn't even have to be about the game it would be about something else but like it just like those i think those moments mean the world to me because yeah. it's like the same as like casey like scaring us yeah like, yeah and like I like have moments with like Roger and him just like embracing me in some of like my toughest times. And yep. I have some of the conversations that Coach Draven had with me and like spiritually and how like he uplifted me and Coach mm -hmm. R. Like I mean I could go on and on, but like these highlights of these coaches, like I mean they you have the opportunity to make an impact on these kids' lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just and and it can be a day that you are feeling bad and you say something to a kid, you put your arm around a kid. Yep. And it can change their life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, it can. So that was, uh, that, that I know I kind of threw that question on you, but I, nah, I, that's good. I, I liked it. I, that was good. I wanted to hear it. All <laughs> right, what is your last minute of advice? Last minute of advice. Um, <clears throat> do what you're supposed. We got this from Casey. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Do what you're supposed to do when you are supposed to do it. You will eliminate 90% of stress from your life in college if you just do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. 100%. 100%. Um, my last minute of advice is treat every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day like it's your last because tomorrow is not promised. And mm -hmm. I guess that's just hitting home to me this yeah. past week because one, and you can never get that time back. Yep. No matter what you do, you can never get that time back. So you, you have 8,600 seconds in a day or 80, 86,000, I think. 86,000 seconds. Don't waste right? a single one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you're right. You're right. Pray, prayers to you and the family again, man, still. Prayers to y'all. I appreciate it. I know my brothers really appreciate it as well. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, Ace, um, Man, what a great series we had this this these past three. That was weeks. fun, dude. That was tough. That was that was. I mean, it was tough, but I'm glad we did that. It was challenging, but it was like, and it was a lot of tough conversation. Yeah. Um, but I felt like 
it needed to be said. And I feel like people needed to hear it. And I, I, I needed to talk about it because I wanted to learn from you just as much as you wanted to hear from me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, said I wanted to hear from you. What'd you say? No, I'm kidding. I said, who said I wanted to hear from you? <laughs> Nobody actually wants to hear from me. That's the problem. So hey, you, had to, you had to hear from me anyway. We, uh, we forgot, speaking of hearing me, we, uh, we forgot to tell the listeners that we finally, after four episodes, figured out my microphone situation. So, um, so for people out there that want to hear more of me, you're in luck. For the ones that don't, you are not in luck because I got this microphone cracking, baby. Yep. You just had to turn it around. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right if something that small, you know, didn't go wrong at first. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh man. We had a good laugh at that one at the last episode. Oh my goodness. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the mind of a coach podcast. Once again, you can follow along with us on Twitter at, uh, you can follow Asa along on Twitter at the Asa spades with a Z on the end. I'll never forget that again. And that rhymed by the way. And you can follow me along as well on my Twitter at Nate5 underscore Moran. You can follow both of us and our podcast as well along at Twitter at mindofacoach1. And you can follow us along on Instagram at mindofacoach. And we also now have a Facebook page at mindofacoach. Also, please remember to like and subscribe this if you're enjoying it. And please, please, please leave comments. We want to be able to improve for you guys. And we want to be able to ask questions and answer questions that you guys might have for us as well. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in again. Asa, you got anything? Yeah, man, y'all know the deal. If you love it, tell your family and friends. If you hate it, tell everybody. And if this virus takes me in a couple weeks, Nate, it's been a great run, man. We had, we had a blast. It's been a great run. So It's not going to take you, Ace. We're, not, we're, we're praying against that, praying against that. But anyway, guys, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week.